Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today we're talking about miracles. Albert Einstein said, there are only two ways to live your life, as though nothing is a miracle or as though everything is a miracle. Let's talk about what miracles are. I suggest that miracles are things that we don't yet know how to explain. They are events or happenings that go beyond what we can do for ourselves. We often beg for miracles or search for miracles and sometimes even manifest miracles by our own faith. In fact, one of the things that I have found really interesting about Christ's ministry is that before he did any miracle, he said to the person, be it unto you according to your faith. I have always found that fascinating. According to this, I would draw the conclusion that first one must believe before miracles occur. Today, I've invited Liza Lawrence to the show. She is the host of the Wonders and Miracles podcast, and I brought her here to discuss her thoughts on miracles and some of the incredible ones that she has heard. And then I'm going to share three clips from past podcast episodes on Love Your Story, where my interviewees shared some pretty miraculous experiences. So stay tuned to hear it straight from the people who are kind and brave enough to share their personal experiences. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment, and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Do you believe God can do miracles? Do you believe you can create miracles because you believe strongly enough in a course of action? That belief in God, in ourselves, in the power of universal law working for our good, despite our current limited understanding, seems to be crucial in the manifestation of miracles. Today's discussion brings awareness to some unusual, even inexplicable things that create awe and wonder. I always call it magic. (laughs) Let's welcome Liza Lawrence, the host of the Wonders and Miracles podcast. Liza, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lori. I'm so excited to be here. And of course, talk about my favorite thing, miracles. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's why you got started, right? exactly why I love this so much. (laughs) Okay. So tell me what your definition of a miracle is. So I love that you quoted Albert Einstein, because that's one of my favorite quotes that life, this life is a miracle, everything about it. And I believe that a miracle is really anything in our lives that we can attribute to having divine help with, whether that's prayers, answered prayers, or promptings or insights that we get that come outside from somewhere else other than our own mind, Um, whether that be magical, miraculous healings, or even just being sustained by a divine force through the struggle of life. I think it's all miraculous. So I, it's one of my favorite, favorite things to just notice the spiritual help that we get in our daily lives. Well, and what a wonderful gift your show is because you really, every episode is bringing miracles to the forefront so people can see and be aware of all the miraculous support that they get. And I think the more we're aware, the more 
we feel supported. Yeah. Huh? And the more we <laughs> see, the, the more we notice those miracles that are happening on the daily, <laughs> because I do believe oh. they happen on the daily. Yeah, no, that's really true. Because I think we can get used to things too, where mm-hmm. beautiful things, like I say to my kids all the time, find the magic. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, be aware of the beautiful sun glistening off the puddle while you're walking down the street. You know, I know that's not the kind of stuff we're necessarily talking about here, but there is so much magic to living. And when you look past it all, then there's so many other heavy things that are are bigger and harder. But when you notice the magic and what we're talking about here is you start paying attention to miracles and to serendipity, you, yes. you start recognizing how prevalent it is, which is fun. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So how many miracles have you shared with the guests on your podcast? Meaning how many episodes have you done? How many people? So we, I've done recorded over 150 miracle stories and more than that, but that's where I am right now. I just finished up season four and starting on season five. So we've been going for a few years and it's just really been fun to hear everyone's so many, so many miracles. Okay. So share, share your top three and we want to hear the whole stories. I know this is the tricky part because there were so many beautiful ones. I think some of my favorite, and I won't share the details of these, but I think some of my most awe-inspiring are people that have near-death experiences, NDEs, and they actually go to the other side, have some type of experience, and then they come back and they can share that. So I love those. But I have to say, I think one of my most awe-inspiring ones happened with actually my younger sister. Um, This is in episode four. So one of my early episodes, and um, I called it the mysterious doctor. So my little sister, when she was pregnant with her third baby, she had a premonition that she was going to die with the baby, the birth of this baby. And in this premonition, she was given a choice. And the choice was you can either die or you can live. And she saw a vision of her husband coming home from the hospital with her two other little children and this new baby without her as a mom. And she felt the absolute heaviness of that reality, that potential reality. And in in seeing that and feeling that, she thought, no, I don't want to die. I don't want this to be my out. And so she chose to stay. So two weeks after that premonition, that vision, she hemorrhaged. She started hemorrhaging and had to be rushed to the hospital and have this baby. And while she was at the hospital, um, a doctor, not her regular doctor, came in and said, I'll be helping you deliver this baby. And, you know, she was in critical condition. The nurses were freaking out. People were really nervous because she was bleeding out. And And this doctor, she said his presence was so calm and so calming to her. And he kept saying things to her like, you will survive. You're not going to die. You will be okay. I promise everything will be okay. And at one point, her husband gave her a blessing and the doctor was in the room helping with the birth and all of this. And he turned to her after the blessing and her and her husband and said, that is very powerful. And then everything happened. The baby was born. She survived. 
And after that, the doctor left and she never saw this doctor again. And throughout her hospital stay after that, the regular doctor came in and checked on her. And, and after they got home, she wanted to, um, write a thank you letter to this doctor who had helped her through this birth. And she did know the name of the doctor. He had told her his name and she called the hospital and they said, I'm sorry, we don't have a doctor by that name. We don't know who you're talking about. And so she never was able to find out who this doctor was that came in and helped her with the birth of her baby. But she believes that this was an angelic being who came to help her survive this birth of her baby. So that one was like, kind of blow your mind a little bit. Okay, so just a minute there. (laughs) How did he actually like help with the birth of the baby? Wasn't he the attending doctor? Apparently he was, but nobody knew when she called the hospital, nobody knew the doctor, the name of that doctor. So if it had been an angel, would, wouldn't the hospital be going, how did this baby just get born? You would think so, but I've heard other stories, people with NDEs who have said, and I can imagine an angel would tell, you know, in a way say, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Like, you Use know your Jedi saying? hand trick. Kind of, right? <laughs> we all know who I am and why I'm here. Who knows, right? <laughs> but that's what's kind of miraculous about it is it's unexplainable. Well, there's a number of things about that then that are that are interesting. The premonition, the mm-hmm. the choice. The mm-hmm. why would why would she have been given a choice? Like, did she want to die? Like, why would that you why know, would that have ever even been an option? I don't know. She did struggle. She was struggling with depression at that time and really pondered, like, wouldn't that be nice to be out, <laughs> to have an out from the heaviness? But you know, I don't know. I wonder if there are windows of time and opportunities of we can exit at this point or we can keep going. But yeah, she was, she said she felt, she really felt like she was given the choice at that point, which a lot of near-death experiences say also. Yeah, I've seen that that they're given that choice. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Tell me why you do an entire podcast about miracles. You know, The short answer is because God asked me to. It felt like a calling. (laughs) I was meditating one day, which I'm an avid meditator every day. I love to meditate. And an idea came into my mind to do a miracle podcast. And I loved the idea of sharing miracles because honestly, that's one of my favorite conversations to have with anyone is spiritual things? Where have you seen God in your life? Where have you been blessed? Where have you grown and healed in your life through divine help? And so the idea, I loved it. Doing a podcast was very intimidating. I was, I had never, (laughs) I'm not techie. And so, um, I didn't know this medium of, you know, this public platform of sharing stories. So that was a, a big learning curve to figure it out. But because I felt the conviction, that divine conviction that this was a calling, I went ahead and did the hard work to figure it out and to learn as I went, which has been such a beautiful experience. But the best part is truly just giving a space and having a space 
for so many people to celebrate God in their lives. You know, we don't often get to do that in our daily conversations. So to have a space where people are safe sharing and they can feel honored and heard and celebrated, I feel like that really was an important thing that God had asked me to do. And honestly, what a better thing to do than share light with the planet and help uplift each other. Like it's such a beautiful thing to yeah, be a part that's of. <laughs> absolutely wonderful. Nicely done. Well, Thank you for being here today. Um, we appreciate that you sort of being the intro into this and interesting that you should bring up near-death experiences as your most interesting miracles because one of the ones I've chosen to share today is one of those. Well, I guess I wanna ask you too, do you have anything in parting that you want to share about miracles as we go into this miracle episode? You know, my end tagline is Remember to notice and celebrate the miracles everywhere because the more miracles we notice, the more miracles happen. And so pay attention to those beautiful things that are happening in your lives where you rec can recognize God is involved and in the details of your life. So pay attention and you will see miracles. Awesome. And I will have Liza's contact information for the Wonders and Miracles podcast in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com. Thank you. As I go back and re-listen to past episodes, um, there are so many, but one of the things I've noticed is the miracles and personal miracles that go on in people's lives as they create their lives, as they go through tough times, as they heal, there's always these just really interesting things that pop up in my conversations with my guests. So today I wanted to share a couple of those clips. In episode 182, my interview with Richard Paul Evans, we talk about just a few, just a few of the miraculous events that happened as the book, his first book, The Christmas Box, came together. But one of the sections that I found most interesting of that interview was the way that these little orbs of light followed him around as he spoke with people. Let me just share a little quip here. This was right after you had been doing a speaking engagement and, and a guy came up and spoke to you and he said, last night something happened while you were speaking. You were suddenly completely encompassed in light. At first, I didn't believe what I saw, and I blinked. And then I moved around in my seat, but the light didn't change. It was as if the light emanated from your skin. I turned to my wife and asked her if she saw what I saw, but she didn't say anything. She just sat there listening to you. And then as you finished speaking, the light gradually diminished until it was gone. Last night, I lay in bed for hours just thinking about what I had seen. I thought my wife was asleep when suddenly she said, you saw the light, didn't you? I said, you saw it too? Why didn't you say anything? She said it frightened her. She hadn't seen anything like it before. The man looked me in the eyes. This is the man talking to Richard. The man looked me in the eyes. What does it mean? I asked him when he saw the light and he said that it was near the end of my talk when I had been speaking about our divine life purpose. I believe you have been given a sign, I said. A sign is not a destination. It merely points the way. It's now up to you to learn for yourself whether or not what I said was true. As we parted, I wished him luck in his journey. It was the first time I was to hear about the light. 
Over the next few years, it would become almost commonplace. So I want to ask you so many, and in this whole book, The Christmas Box Miracle, it is a just a list, a story, a narration of all the miracles that happened to bring the Christmas box out. And then from that, you have used your resources to create other miracles with the Christmas Box House International. But so much of your entire life in reading these, and it, maybe it's very commonplace to you now, but me looking at it from the outside, I just see magic all over the place that's woven around you and what you choose to do with it and what you create. So why do you think that you are the conduit for this magic? I don't know. I, I see at the end of the book, I'm sure God could have found someone better. Um, maybe because I'm just simple enough to understand and to have faith in what's coming through. I was told when I was 12 years old, that this would happen to me, that I would be known throughout the world and that great miracles would come. And I, when just before it all happened, I had that experience again and was told it was about to start. And uh, at the time, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm barely making a living. I'm really struggling here. And um, the stories, and since I wrote that book, I've had, I had one happen that was really strange. A photographer came up to me and I was, I was speaking for, at a group with the Phoenix Suns basketball team. And the guy told me, don't get, most of them are drunk, don't get, try to get spiritual. And there was a big, it was at this billionaire's home in this big tent, they had flown me in for it. And he, after I spoke, I'm, I'm speaking, all of a sudden, this really powerful force just came to me and it said, start talking. And I got very serious and the place went dead silent, just dead silent. And um, I was able to tell, tell some really profound, powerful things that were just coming through me. And, and I finished and there was a standing ovation and um, I was stunned. It's like, wow, I wasn't supposed to do that, right? I was supposed to just kind of keep them, keep it jovial. And well, this photographer comes up and I had spoken there once before in Phoenix. And he goes, I got to show you something. He goes, I had a normal camera last year and um, I took pictures of you and they actually got mad at me and didn't want to pay me because they said I did such a horrible job because all the pictures of you had these two orbs around you. And they would obscure your face. And they thought I had just done a bad job with lighting. He goes, I want to show you something. And he goes, I have a digital camera now. He showed me more than 20 pictures in the orbs. One purple one, one white one. They're always in the same place from every angle. He goes, that's what it is. What are those things that are following you? What do you think of that? And I thought that was, and, and then I had, then I actually had that experience one week later in the same color orbs. And so I, I asked my friend, I go, what are these things? And someone said, they're spirits with you. And the thing is, they only show up when I, I, I can feel them when they come because all of a sudden I start getting this incredible inspiration. And I've had, I've had one time I was speaking and I actually had to tell me every, every, I was speaking to some young women, which the women in the audience were being sexually abused and that I needed to help them. And um, I went up to one of the leaders afterwards and I said, you have a problem here. And she goes, how did you know that? We know that. You actually named them. How did you know that? And I said, I don't know. I go, there are, wow. there are sources. I, I know this. It's, I'm not trying to, I mean, I'd be intellectually dishonest to say things don't happen. And so I'm not, I'm not a psychic. I'm just a guy. And I get, but I get inspiration. Sometimes it just, it, it kind of, it blows me away. I don't know why. The first year of the show, we did a feature on the search of Annie Schmidt. Now, during this three-part series, I spoke with three people one of which was her mother, 
And to say that miracles abounded in this search for her missing daughter is an understatement. There were so many, and I would listen to all three episodes if you haven't heard them. But today I'm just going to share a couple clips. And for the whole incredible story, go to loveyourstorypodcast.com and listen to episodes 73 through 75. On Wednesday, October 19th, 2016, Annie Schmidt, daughter of John Schmidt, famous for his piano playing in The Piano Guys, and Michelle Schmidt, was reported missing. Over the next month, hundreds of people and search dogs embarked on what became an ordeal that gained national attention as the search for Annie unfolded. This three-part series includes interviews with Annie's mother, Michelle. I'm dumbfounded at the support that we received. The woman who found Annie's body, Lydia McGranahan. So I showed up that Sunday morning, and during those two days, I could hardly focus on anything else other than, gotta find this girl, we gotta find this girl. And another participant who was key in helping to find Annie, Marty Newey. Everyone that was there, I think, was there for a reason and somehow was prompted and was part of a big jigsaw puzzle where we all had our individual little pieces. This series starts out introducing Annie and Lydia, the woman who found her, and we jump into the inspiration that brought a woman who had no idea who Annie was into the search in the Columbia River Gorge. This story is a story of so many people flying in from Utah, locals from Oregon, coming together to aid in the search for one beloved young woman. I am fascinated and impressed on numerous levels. First, the selflessness of people coming together. Second, the number of people impressed upon through spiritual means to get involved, and the number of miraculous communications through dreams and strong impressions to do certain things. And from an overall standpoint, the absolute orchestration from a higher power to work through so many people in the ways that they each individually needed in such a time of crisis. I had heard from Lydia about her spiritual experiences, and I had spoken with Marty about his impressions and experiences with the search. But of all the people involved in this story, who would be more important than Annie's parents? So I asked Annie's mother if she had had, and if she would share, one of her spiritual experiences through the unfolding of these events as they searched for her daughter. I'm I'm dumbfounded at the support that we received and the kindness and the goodness of people. And I don't even know most of their names. Can you share some of those um, experiences, spiritual experiences that you felt like um, carried you through that? One in particular that was huge, it was such a tender mercy. On the morning that the official search and rescue was to begin, Spencer and John headed up earlier with some people up to the, to base camp. And our car, our rental car was locked in a a parking garage that we couldn't get out till later. So I waited and they headed up with other people and I waited to get the car out and come, come up later. So as I was driving um, to the base camp for search and rescue, I was by myself and I drove up the gorge for the first time. It had just been pouring rain 
but this morning it was clear and just crisp and and the colors were just vivid it was just and as i drove up to the left of me was the Columbian Gorge and it was surrounded on either side by these beautiful green trees. And then to the right were these mountains and there was fog and, and like clouds, intermittent clouds and, and waterfalls. And it was absolutely the most beautiful, breathtaking thing I had ever seen. And I just kind of spoke out and said, oh, Annie, this is so beautiful and she answered me and said I know mom I knew you'd love it and I just sat there for a moment and thought wow she just spoke to me and she's in the spirit world and she's so happy so did you know then that she that she was probably dead I did I received that knowledge from just that little exchange with her and I was so I was so comforted to know that she was totally fine and so fine that she was like, "Yeah, isn't it pretty?" <laughs> and so herself <laughs> and <she was laughs> so happy and that was such a comfort to me because then I was like, "Okay, my daughter is fine." She is okay, and I we're gonna look for her body. We're gonna all look for her body, but I wasn't I wasn't worried for her. I it gave me this assurance and this peace and this calm that I could just go through what we needed to do without being filled with worry and anxiety. I went back to where Annie's car was parked. So I'm like, I'm not done. I'm not going home. I felt like there was still work to do. It wasn't dark yet. And I hike alone often. I feel like I am wise in, in that. And so I went to where her car was parked and I just said, God, where did she go? Where did she go from here? And I started walking and I started walking out onto a trail and it did a switch back up onto this hill and it's called Trail 400 and it runs along I-84, which is the main road that goes along the Columbia River Gorge. And I just kept walking and I, I felt led to be in that place. And as I kept going, I never hiked this trail. Now I've hiked a lot in the gorge, but this one exit, I've never done any hikes off this one exit. So it was one area I didn't know specifically, but I kind of, I knew the train, I knew what the, the area was like. So I started hiking down the trail. I saw another trail go off to the left and a little rock on the ground. And um, I noticed on the rock, there was an arrow pointing up this trail to the left. And it was a little scratched letters in the rock and it said Munra. I'm like, Munra? What is that? Is that somebody's name? Is that something? I'm like, what is Munra? I'm gonna go see what Munra is or where, where it goes to. So I just followed this and I got up to the top of this most beautiful, ridgeline gorgeous that runs kind of north to south and steep steep drop-offs on both sides and it was and I went down the ridgeline until I felt like I was gonna <laughs> I was I was so scared it was very scary on both sides and I finally turned around I felt this not safe any longer for me to continue on but I stood up there for a while and I just I felt really like this place needs to be searched 
I, I felt like this place needs, is one of the places that needs to be searched more. But my time was running out. I needed to get back to my car and leave um, before it got dark. So, so I left. And um, that night, when I got home, I was in bed. I was asleep, and I had a short but very real, vivid, vivid dream. And as I was sleeping. I felt myself falling. You may have felt, had those dreams before where it feels like you're flailing and you're falling. And I was falling and I was out of control falling and I couldn't see the person's face. So I'm like, is it me? Or, and I saw Annie and I'm like, oh, it's her, it's her face. I saw her face and I felt my body falling. I literally felt myself falling, falling, falling. And then right before, like I saw the ground, like, oh my gosh, we're gonna hit the ground. All of a sudden I woke up and I just heard Munra. And I'm like, Munra? And I, I, I said it, I, I believe I said it out loud. I don't know if I did, but it felt like I said Munra with a big question. And then I heard, she's at Munra. Finding Annie was losing Annie. They. And so it was, I was very torn and I still felt like I had this kind of burden and this over me that I wasn't really sure why it was holding on to me, but I really still felt like this burden. And then when we went to the graveside following the funeral, they had her casket out there before they were going to put it into the ground and they had some like flowers on a little stand and they said, anybody that wants to put a flower on Annie's casket, you know, feel free to do that. And I stood back in my black raincoat, you know, cowered in my own little shell, still feeling heavy, just emotional heaviness, and just like, it's over, but it's not over for me. I'm, I'm still in this. Then it was getting towards the end. People had put their flowers on, and it was kind of done. I'm like, I have to put something on her casket. I have to. And I, I started feeling that pull and I started walking towards her casket. Instead of reaching for the flowers that were on the little stand that there for people to grab, I reached up at the tree right above her casket and broke off a branch with live, you know, live, a live branch. And I set it onto her casket. I just said, thank you, Annie. I don't even know what I was thanking her for. And I... In that moment, I could hear her voice and she's like, thank you, thank you. And I turned and I saw her family sitting there and I realized what God, how God had used me to answer his call. He used me and this family now could move on. As hard as it's gonna be for them, is and has and will be for them, they can move forward knowing what happened to their daughter. and. Right then, I felt this lifted off of me, this heaviness lift off of me, and it was just like, mission complete. Every time I tell this story, I just, again, it just um, reminds me how we're all part of a human family and that God is in charge and, uh, and it's beautiful and he's not that far away. Uh, there's a quote by Rebecca Campbell, and it says, Bless the thing that broke you down and cracked you open, because the world needs you open. In episode 187, Deb Atella shares her own story of a lost loved one coming back to help her when she was hospitalized with a life 
and death hemorrhage. What I know happened was I threw up, I passed out, and I was in the light. And I was conscious enough that I was like, oh, snap, I'm in the light. I knew I was there. (laughs) Isn't it interesting when like spiritual things happen, like you understand and comprehend what's going on just automatically, intuitively? Uh, Absolutely. So I'm in the light in this gorgeous white, white doesn't even describe it. It was like crystally. It was just the most gorgeous light you could ever, ever imagine. And it was the like warmth, like the perfect temperature and love, like just like all encompassing love, like every fiber of my being was love. And over my left shoulder, behind my left shoulder was my cousin, Laura, who was like a sister to me. She died in 1992 in a car accident. We called each other Bud. And there she was in full physical form, her gorgeous self behind my left shoulder. And I was like, Bud, oh, Bud, let me hug you. And I wanted to turn my body to the left and hug her. How could you see her if she was behind you? I knew she, it was like, I just knew she was there and I turned my head and saw Mm. her but she wouldn't let me turn my body. She instantly, as soon as she knew, like I became aware of her, she started to push my left shoulder and push it and push it and push it. And I kept saying, stop it. Stop pushing me. Stop pushing me. I want to hug you. You're so feisty. (laughs) So always sassy. Always, always, always. And I'm like, let me hug you. Let me hug you. Stop pushing me. And she never spoke but I could see her like, you know, as far as I could turn my head to the left, I could see her and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until she pushed so hard that then I was sitting up in the bed and there were people over me saying, lay down, lay down and pushing me back down. When I laid back down, she was in energy form. She went from being in physical form when I was in the light to now I'm back in the 3d world. And there she is in like a little ball of energy, like Tinkerbell, if you will picture Tinkerbell, flying all around. So there she was in like energy form and she would like, she would fly past me and it would actually be like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Like I could feel the the air move every time she flew around. And she was checking all of the monitors and she kept checking me from head to toe. And I was like, what are you doing? What do you, you don't know any of this stuff. What are you doing? And I'm speaking out loud to her. She's never once spoke to me in any of it, right? But I knew what she was doing and I knew what she meant. So now they bring my husband back and I'm like, Jeff, oh my God, do you see her? And he's like, are you all right? What's going on? I'm like, look, 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 look. See Laura, see her, look. And then she's like all over, like me and him. Like, and he's like, Deb, stop talking. They're going to get straight jacket. They're going to put you in a straight jacket. Stop He's like, talking. don't go toward the light. Right Get back here. He's like, she's, you know, thinking I've completely lost it. What is happening now? I'm having some kind of like psychotic breakdown that I think I'm seeing people. And all he keeps saying is stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Shut up. Shut up. Stop, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. And I won't stop talking about it. So now they take me to intensive care and I go up to intensive care. And now I'm like, some kind of like sideshow in intensive care because I'm so young. 
right? And I'm like, the nurses are all around my age. Everybody's like a, a young mom. And they're all freaked out that this young woman is coming in because mostly everybody else that was on the floor was elderly, you know? So here I come and I have this earth angel of a nurse that's there. And she comes in and they bring me in the bed and now Laura's all over the room and she's flying everywhere, whoosh, whoosh, whooshing all over, checking every monitor, checking every inch of the room, checking me from head to toe. And my nurse's name was Maureen and she was talking to me and I just keep saying to Jeff, do you see her? Do you see her? Did you feel it? Did you feel it? What is she doing? She doesn't know anything. Why is she doing this? And he's like, stop talking, stop talking. Listen to the nurse, stop talking, stop talking. So then, you know, the doctors come in and when the doctor came in, the nurse Marine said to me, you're so lucky because if anybody else from that practice came in, they would have cut you open. And the doctor that I got threw the surgeons out because I was hemorrhaging rectally. They were like, we got to go in, we have to go and see what's happening. And so when the GI doctor came in, the surgeons immediately followed her in and she said, get out and give her a chance. Let her have a chance. Let me see. So then she threw the surgeons out. I'm there. She's explaining to me, I need transfusions. I need blood transfusions. And I'm like, I'm not getting a blood transfusion. I'm fine. I'll be all right. I just need some ginger ale. Like let my stomach <laughs> feel better and I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, honey, you are getting, a, you're getting transfusions. And I was like, I'm all right. It's all right. I don't need it. And my husband's screaming, put your arm out. You have to take the blood. And I'm like, I don't know whose blood it is. Why don't we get some people we know to donate? And then I'll take like my mom's blood or your blood. And then we'll be okay and save that blood for somebody else in the blood bank. And he's like, put your arm out. So I instantly have two transfusions. But right before they give me the transfusions, I realize that my father-in-law who passed in 2000 and my brother-in-law who passed in 91 are sitting in my room in full physical form. So Laura's there the whole time. She's in a little energy ball. My father-in-law and my brother-in-law are there in full form sitting on the windowsill. So now I'm like, Jeff, do you see your dad and brother? And he's just like, you know, the poor guy, he, you know, is his wife going to live? Is she going to die? And is, or did she just lose her mind on top of everything else? Right. Well, you know, when you're in a life or death situation and you're there in the hospital and you start seeing dead people, that's really, really alarming. Cause that's usually what happens before people die. Exactly. I think there are lots of kinds of miracles, miracles we manifest with our faith, Miracles that are just a hug from God, tender mercies, you know, the miracles of angels around us and those serendipity moments. If you want to listen to more miracles, episode 10 of the Love Your Story podcast shared a whole pile of serendipitous and miraculous experience that I had collected from people over a set of years doing research. Episode 10 focuses on those. Go back and get those goods if you want them. Also, the Wonders and Miracles podcast with Liza Lawrence. I'll have the link to her show, as I mentioned, in the show notes. As we part, I just want to say, when you stop and you focus on miracles, you can't help but feel that God and the universe have your back. I think we just begin to realize how little we truly understand 
and how much more there is to learn and how abundant the universe is. How magical, right? If you have a miracle story that you want to share, you can contact Liza and wondersandmiracles.com, her contact information, um, again, in the show notes. And I want to leave with a challenge. This week, your challenge is to pay attention to the wonders in your life, to notice God in his abundance and generosity, and train your eyes to just see that bit of magic, to just sit with the idea that there's more than we understand and good things are afoot. Thank you for being here. You can find all the past episodes on loveyourstorypodcast.com. Share them, re-listen, and leave us a review. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode.